Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. Today we're discussing the Chiefs and a contract, but not Chris Jones's deal. No, this one belongs to Patrick Mahomes. The day after the Chiefs collected their first victory of the season at Jacksonville, word got out that the Chiefs have restructured Mahomes' contract that restores his position as the game's highest paid player. The deal's worth about $210 million guaranteed through 2026. It doesn't mean the length of the previous contract that took Mahomes into the 2030s is void. The Chiefs are simply shifting money from the end of the original contract to the next four seasons. We talk about the new deal and the Chiefs' triumph over the Jaguars with star columnists Vigorian and Sam McDowell. And as a production note, we recorded this episode from the Atlanta airport and tried to find a quiet space there, but just try to find a quiet space in the world's busiest airport. So excuse the background noise, especially early on. Okay, let's get started. Therese used to call these emergency podcasts or emergency shows. I don't know if this one rises quite to the level of an emergency, but there was some news today. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe just an urgency one. Yeah, an urgency. That's a good way of putting it. And we're not talking about the Chiefs' 17-9 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> also with the spirit of Therese with us today as we uh, do this from Hartsfield Airport. The world's busiest airport. <laughs> and... His, his favorite for the where we rip your airport sequence. So you'll hear a lot of those announcements in the background while we record this, but we thought it was important enough to talk about the new Patrick Mahomes contract and about the Chiefs' uh, victory over the Jaguars. Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell are here. Sam, what um, uh, what is the – and Jesse Newell would be with us, but he got, he took an earlier flight. So Way too early of a flight, yeah. He did. Jesse um, – uh, smartly got back to town uh, before noon today. We're, we're sitting here late in the afternoon talking about the Patrick Mahomes contract. What are the details of this? So he's going to be guaranteed $210.6 million over the next four years. And, um, you know, I think there's long been some misunderstood things about his old deal, which was a 10-year contract that would, you know, was it was a team-friendly deal in terms of annual average value. Mahomes had dropped to eight in quarterback rankings in terms of how much he was getting paid on an annual basis, but those contracts were all but guaranteed. They were 18 months out that every year would kick in. This just pushes it up to where it's more immediately kicked in, and obviously he's going to be make more, making more money immediately over the next four years, too. So as you guys talk about it, Sam, what the, the impetus for it now is what? In part that he's falling behind? On yeah, but I think a couple things. First, um, he's getting more money. Um, second, it's after the season, so your cap's in an okay spot. Uh, you know exactly where everything else stands to be able to fit that piece into the puzzle. Um, but also, I, I think it's genuine that Patrick Mahomes feels some responsibility for the quarterback market itself, and he's the guy that, that can raise it. And look, I mean, I've talked to certainly a lot of agents that have wondered when is he going to do this because it is, like I said, when you're the best player of your position, there is some accountability to, to raise the market. And the next question is what it does for, for the Chiefs, though. Well, before we get to that, I, I, let's talk about how when Patrick Mahomes is asked about being you know, the highest paid player in either in the NFL or at his position, however it's, it's framed, he, you know, he always takes the high road. You know, that he, you know, he wanted to leave some money on the table. He wanted to leave some money for Chris Jones. 
Um, he, he wanted to do what's right for the team and to keep the, keep this window of opportunity open for, for the Chiefs, and they have taken darn near full advantage of this window, right? The other thing that, uh, before I forget, I think about the last time a new Mahomes contract was announced was after a Super Bowl victory. It was in the summer after the uh, after the Super Bowl 54 victory. This one, of course, is now in the summer or in the early fall of, of the the Super Bowl victory over the Eagles last year. So, um, heck, if he wants to get a new contract after after every Super Bowl victory, I imagine the Chiefs will be happy to oblige him. But I like I like the point you're making too because it speaks to a few different things. One, Patrick's ability to convey these points, uh, you get the message out about each aspect of it. Right? I mean, he feels it's both important to continue advancing the, the quarterback position pay. He also feels it's important to leave stuff on the table. He has not been shy about kind of speaking to his responsibilities each of those ways, and I think um, I think that helps set the set the tone for how it's viewed too. And luckily, a sophisticated uh, columnist like Sam McDowell writes about it a lot, and I think is able to put it in those terms. I, mean, I think I think because of that, we've been able to explain it. I think pretty well through through the star. He absolutely deserves to be the highest paid player in the game, does he not? To me, I don't, yeah, think, yeah. I don't think there's any any, yeah. any doubt about it. I mean, I'm always in pro player getting the most money they can. I mean, I don't think that Patrick Mahomes owes the Chiefs a discount. I still think this contract is a discount. Clark Hunt, as you said, I mean, basically commented that there's never going to be a fair amount to pay him. It's, he's He'll always, always be underpaid. Yeah, he's always he's always going to be on a discount in that sense. He's always going to make the Chiefs more money than they make him. But, um, you know, he's, he's long had to wrestle with this complication of the Tom Brady model as far as keeping the window open for as long as he can. Is that um, – does, does, does it close a little bit? If um, Chiefs are going to have some – um, I guess it's not unreasonable to suspect that the Chiefs will have some salary issues going forward with with this contract, but uh, but we certainly don't know what's going to happen with Chris Jones after after this season, and um, all all factors into the the financial picture for the for the Chiefs. So, uh, Sam, with 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 Chris Jones. Um, does this does this announcement or it wasn't an announcement the news today uh, have any impact on whether Chris Jones returns next year for the Chiefs? Yeah, I mean it's Chris Jones and, and other Chris Joneses in the future. I mean that's why you see situations with Chris Jones. It's why the 49ers are able to pay Nick Bosa the most money a defensive lineman's ever been paid, but the Chiefs can't afford that contract. The Chiefs last year won with Patrick Mahomes occupying over 17% of the cap. No team had ever done it with a player occupying more than 12 and a half. So they're already in uncharted territory trying to still win Super Bowls by paying their quarterbacks a monstrous amount of money. And this eventually will raise him more. Because, look, I mean, he was going to come down because the cap is escalating more than his contract. He did have an escalator in 2027, which is why, you know, these two sides will get together again after 26 and probably revisit this deal, which we should clarify. I mean, there's a lot of talk about Mahomes is now on a four-year deal. He was on a 10-year deal. And the 10-year deal, you know, we all wrote it at the time. It expressed a long-term commitment that he didn't want to play anywhere else. 
we shouldn't like veer off of that thought just because he's signing a, a four-year deal. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I still think, is going to play in Kansas City for a really long time. It's just that I think that what the 10-year deal showed is it's kind of impossible to predict what the future cap is going to be and therefore impossible to predict exactly what money that an individual player should be making seven years from now. Part of me wondered uh, when Mahomes signed the 10-year deal uh, for what, what, what truly is about four, what, $450 million that, but with, uh, with with certain conditions met, be over you know five hundred million. I thought there was um, there was just something um, uh, you know about announcing a half billion dollar contract or for Patrick Mahomes to become the first North American athlete to uh, to be awarded a, a half a billion dollar contract, and I, I just thought that was part of the show, if if you will, uh, three years ago. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, let's um, speaking of Chris Jones and Patrick Mahomes and other other Chiefs. Let's talk about what happened on Sunday in Jacksonville. Um, it was a uneven game for sure. The Chiefs had to grind it out, as the headline in today's morning sports edition suggests, and grind it out they did. Patrick Mahomes had a nice game, but not a Patrick Mahomes-like game for the second time. Uh, this season's funny in the opener. It was all about the drops by the wide receivers, and in this game it was all about the penalties by the offensive linemen with one player in particular. But just uh, what are your next-day thoughts about this game? Well, it's funny. I think we come out looking at Patrick's statistics as being sort of what you would normally you know, maybe expect out of him, except for that was a little skewed by that big play with Sky more late in the game. And I, I think, you know, Sam got into this really in depth, but really they were um, off kilter all day. And it was, it, look, it's crippling when you have that many penalties and, and turnovers, right? I mean, that that just starts you off in a bad way. But I didn't think they were clicking much even when those things weren't happening. And this is a team now, you know, they were averaging 30 points a game last year, 29.2 to be exact. And now, you know, 21 and 17 in back-to-back games. That said, there were enough moments that I thought you could find some encouragement in. There was way better, and it's only a couple passes, but way better communication with Patrick and Sky Moore. That's going to be important, just the way Patrick found him on the back shoulder. Uh, Sky Moore knew to be there that way in the touchdown. And, of course, having Kelsey back sort of starts to reset that. But I, it wasn't a great day for Kelsey. He had a couple balls he, he might usually catch that he didn't. Um, and, and we can't really keep talking about the offense without talking about what the heck's going to happen with Juwan Taylor and how that's going to be officiated from here out. That was a uh, maybe the the worst game an offensive lineman could possibly play. I, I don't know how a, how a player – I don't. who knows what the grades are. I'm sure they're out, right, for football focus grades. But that was a uh, – that was unbelievably bad, so bad that he got pulled. Offensive linemen don't get pulled in the middle of a game, but they're, they're – John Taylor was on the sideline talking to uh, position coach Andy Heck while uh, Prince, t- help me with the name, Prince Tega Wanago 
uh, took a couple of snaps at right tackle. So, incredibly frustrating game, incredibly frustrating podcast with the noise. With the, Actually, this the is a nice parallel to the right. game. This is what the Chiefs were up against yesterday. All kinds of noise getting in the way. Ambient noise here, but airport noise. Marita. <laughs> Well, Marisa. <laughs> Come on, Marisa. That's right. Vahe, I want to go back to something that you mentioned. Uh, you were keeping track of this in the press box. There you go. Uh, you were keeping track of this in the press box. It had gotten to, was it 60 minutes between? Yes, it was 60 minutes and 7 seconds between Chiefs touchdowns. Yeah. Um, so they scored with 34 seconds left. I think that's what it was in the uh, Detroit game. 34 games left in the first. 34 seconds left in the first half against Detroit, and then 27 seconds left. I think it was in the first half uh, against the Jaguars when they scored that touchdown. That's a long time for a Mahomes offense not to score a touchdown. Well, the only correct me if I'm wrong. Only twice in the Mahomes era have they gone a game, a 60-minute game, without a touchdown. The Super Bowl. Um, against Tampa Bay, and then the Tennessee loss at Nashville. At I think that's right. Yeah, I think so, that's right. So over a stretch of two games, they went a game, yeah, basically yeah. equivalent of a game without scoring a touchdown. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, strange. And in that time, it, 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 toward the end of that stretch of time, I thought we saw Patrick Mahomes' frustration taken uh, or, or exemplified by his interception. I just think he said, heck with it. I'm going to launch one here. And it was to, to Justin Watson deep, about 50 yards downfield, and obviously picked off uh, the third. Was that the third? It was one of the three turnovers for the Chiefs uh, in, in the game. That was the third, I think, in, in the quarter. Yeah, in, in, the, in the second yeah, quarter, yeah. yeah. But, um, however, however, the defense played outstanding. It was uh, a terrific game by Chris Jones returns, and I think he's credited with one and a half sacks. He got the pass deflected. I saw on somebody's uh, Twitter account, somebody who was breaking down the play of the Chris Jones batted down pass, that that was a big play set up for Jacksonville. They had exactly what they wanted. Could have gone for a big game, except for Chris got his big paws on it uh, and, and knocked it down. So I made him the star of the game, and I, I, I thought he was the best player on the field at a time when, you know, he not only missed the previous game, but all the training camp and preseason. And doesn't this make St. Joseph irrelevant? <laughs> you know, what, what are any so, of us doing there, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought, look, I mean, what's interesting about these first two weeks of the Chiefs, because they both fit the same mold, is you've got the defense playing unlike they played during the Patrick Mahomes era. You've got the offense playing unlike it's played during the Patrick Mahomes era, and you're trying to figure out if either one of them are, are more like they've been in 2023 or should the history of the past five years trump what we've seen in the first two weeks Patrick Mahomes and the offense have shown over the years that they eventually figure out what's plaguing them so I think the offense is probably further from what it's going to be at the end of the season than maybe the defense is so then you look at the defense and this is the first year I think where they entered I'll say it this way they entered with fewer questions this year than I think they have in the past four or five years Last year, we had no idea how the rookies were going to play. This year, all of those are, are second-year players, and I think that it's showing, especially with Trent McDuffie, I think looks like a, a future Pro Bowl player. Um, and you mentioned Chris Jones. I mean, you're right, Blair. He was the best player on the field, despite it being his first game, whether it's preseason, which uh, is his first competitive action, really. I mean, they, they, don't, even, they don't even have uh, pat, padded 
you know, hitting practices once the season starts. I mean, he missed out on all of that stuff, and it looked like he didn't need any of that stuff. Maybe that shows up today. Maybe today, as we're sitting yeah. here in the airport on Monday, maybe he's feeling it more today than, than he would have had he, had he gone through all that stuff. I'm sure that's the case probably. But um, it didn't look like football-wise that it, they ran so much stuff that was specifically designed for Chris Jones. Well, I think you pointed this out in your column, or we were certainly talking about it in the press box. On four, his first four snaps, he played three different, lined up at three different spots. Yeah, yeah left Blair end, pointed that out. Yeah, yeah. Inside left, inside right, and outside right. end. Yeah, and both both defensive end sides, and then once inside. And they had, they also, you know, they he had one and a half sacks. There was another play where they get on the very first drive of the game where they get um, a third down sack that's not him that he totally creates by coming around the end. Yeah, and yeah. Putting, putting Trevor, pushing Trevor Lawrence up in the pocket. But look, I mean, the defense wasn't what we thought needed a jolt after the Lions game. It was the offense, and those questions still remain. It was pretty impressive, wasn't it? It, it was. And by the way, just to flip it back onto Sam's Sam's uh, uh, other point, though, Sam, you got into this in your column. So the, the uh, defense du jour for the season so far, it looks like you think it's the, the yeah, zone. The Chiefs, Chiefs are going to yeah, have to I mean, crack Mons the code on that. talked about that after both games, and that's why I said, you know, because it's something new. It's not every year. Sometimes it's every other year. I mean, we talked a lot about everybody wants to blitz rookie quarterbacks. Well, Patrick Mahomes showed that he tore up the blitz his rookie year. And you remember they went through that stretch where they lost back-to-back games against the Colts and Texans in 19 and it was press coverage. All we were asking the receivers was getting off the line of scrimmage. And then in, in 20, after they, they went in 19 and 20, 21, it was a lot about the, the high shells. Okay, well, we're going to take away Tyreek Hill. You're not going to be able to just go over the top. And now this year, it's a lot of zone coverage stuff. The Chiefs don't have the same speed they used to have. And so the teams are playing zone because it, it takes advantage of the inexperience. It requires your wide receiver and quarterback to be on the same page a lot, which is why, Vi, you made a great point that two best, most encouraging plays of the game for the Chiefs were the two Sky Moore plays. The, Patch, the, the Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey touchdown is indicative of what's the requirement of a zone play. To beat a zone, you, you're covered up, you see a gap, you move. Sky Moore on both plays, even though they were man-to-man, it was the same page with the quarterback type of play. And that's what we're going to have to see more of. But, you know, we've been talking about this for a year with Sky Moore, and it's it's time for, for him to take that step. Well, it might explain a little bit why we've seen in the two games Mahomes be just look like a touch-off, right? A little bit behind or a little bit in front. And, you know, and you think, boy, if, if the receiver had just made an adjustment here, it would have been – but. But, you know, or were they making the same adjustments, right? I mean, right. yeah, same same point, but yeah. Y- yes, uh, but but in in the zone, you know, they may not know exactly where to be, and and um, and so and, and Mahomes doesn't know exactly where they're going to be, and and, and the throws off just a hair, and and the receiver doesn't get it. It's like and as Sam said, as we all know, it's a new group of basically essentially a new group of wide receivers. Well, what's interesting about that, Sam sent out the snap counts of the receivers earlier today, but you saw that particularly uh, second-round pick R- Rasheed Rice. Rashi, Rashi Rice and, and Richie James played, what, six and three Yeah, three Richie snaps? James is only at the end of the game because of Justin Watson's cramps. He, he told, Ju- yeah, uh, Jesse, told Jesse that, uh, yeah. that after the game. But they did, 
And look, I advocated for this during the week. They have to shorten their wide receiver yeah. rotation. If you're trying to get guys on the same page, it doesn't make sense to have this turnstile of wide receivers. It just basically keeps your, your quarterback guessing of as far as who's he playing with. And so I think they're going to have to pick a group. The, the problem they're running into is that their most talented guys are least experienced guys. I still think Rashi Rice is the best guy they have with the ball in his hands after the catch because he can break tackles and make guys miss. Um, you've got Kadarius Tony that's been here less than a year. Um, and then, you know, Richie James had a lot of big-time catches for the Giants, and we haven't seen him involved in the offense at all. And his only role in special teams didn't go well yesterday either, which goes back to our original question of, do they really need seven wide receivers? And, you know, Justin Ross seems a little sort of clogged or just straddling in between, right? He had, a, a, yeah. what do you have, seven, eight? Nine, nine snaps. Nine snaps. I, I just think Justin Ross has a very specific skill set. Yeah. The Chiefs didn't get to that. And he still plays on special teams, too. He does. Yeah. And he didn't get to that. The Chiefs didn't get to that part of the field to where it made sense to use a lot of Justin right. Ross yesterday. Right. There could be games. I mean, there was a couple of years ago we talked about their offensive red zone struggles. Right. He's a problem solver in that area, and the Chiefs yeah. just didn't haven't run into that problem in the first couple of weeks. Yeah. And we'll explore this uh, further later, but no red zone problems for these Chiefs. They you get in the red zone, they get defense touchdowns. Too. Yeah. Yes, and and the, and how great the, the Chiefs defense was against the Jaguars in the red zone. That that's kind of where the game was won and lost. Chiefs get it touchdowns was. in the red zone, and the Jaguars settled for field goals. And Jaguars were in the f- inside the five. Yeah, and remember that's been the theme of the last two off seasons. It's, it's we've asked Steve Spagnuolo a lot about Blair. I still remember. I think it was in twenty one, where they like it was the first seven or eight times that another team had got into the red zone. It was touchdowns. And I still remember a team crossing the twenty at Arrowhead. You put your arms up for a touchdown. Just give it to them. <laughs> that's right. Give Holmes the ball back. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's, I mean, it's it's the spot they needed to improve the most. And I asked, I, I had a, I had a conversation with, with Spags about it off to the side during training camps. I said, how do you focus just on one spot? Because you want to be good on, you want to win every play, right? How do you just win red zone stuff? And he just said, we there's too much space. There's too much space in the secondary. You just you have to tighten the space at the red zone because the field is tightened at that point. And look, one of those other things about the red zone, at least two of them, maybe three, were sudden change situations, right? It was the, the, the ball off of Richie James' face match. Yeah. That was at the 14, I yeah, think. Good point, put in bad spots. And then one was from another turnover, right, where suddenly they're they're inside there. Yep. I think that's right. And then he got to the one-yard line for first and goal. And then the Jaguars, and, or Trevor Lawrence, called his own number and yeah, a, yeah. a really bad move. Yeah. Uh, and, and Nick Bolton and Legereus Sneed snuffed, uh, yeah, sniffed yeah, that out sure and did. made a great play. So I want to bring up Kadarius Tony quickly. I wrote about this today, actually. Um, how Andy Reid and Chiefs-like was it for the Chiefs to go to Kadarius Tony as often as they did, as early as they did? Yeah, three times that on that second series, in, I think, in right? In four snaps. Yeah, in three four, times in four snaps. Back-to-back a week, plays. A week right, after yeah. he had what, three or four drops in the Lions, maybe another team would just stay away from him like the plague. And what do the Chiefs do? They go right back to him. They did. I think it. it, it one of the, the distinctions I make in this is when Andy really believes in somebody, that's what he's going to do. Now, would have been interesting if Kadarius dropped another one or two in that process. And, and he right? didn't have a perfect game. He, he lost, he lost fumble, the fumble. And, but, but just watching him uh, in that whole sequence, all three of those plays were a, a little special extra to him in what he, what he can do that not other, other guys can't do on this team. I shouldn't say lost. He didn't lose the fumble. He recovered his own, but he lost 11 yeah, yards lost the ball. On, on the play. Yeah, 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 lost the ball. So, um, But the Chiefs get out of there with a win and probably – 
helpful for public perception that they did win on Sunday if news about Mahomes' contract was going to come out today, <laughs> you know, on Monday as we're recording this. Uh, it would been tough uh, as an 0-2 team to, uh, to, to digest that news, I think. I, I agree. And, look, Andy, Andy had a point yesterday. I mean, he, he talked about um, not liking the way it looks on offense, but he also said, you know, they showed him a little something with the way they kind of grounded out. And, that, look, that is true. Ultimately, that's true. They found a way, and, look, they're, they're, they're just kneeling the last couple minutes of the game. And, you know, it wasn't a safe win, but, but by game's end it was – I think it's a, an important victory, too, because I do believe the Jaguars are the best team in their division, the AFC South, and as a division winner, they'll be a home, they'll have a home game in the playoffs. You want to be seated ahead of that team uh, in, 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 the, yeah. in, in the playoff picture. And imagine this. If, if they had lost there, that is effectively a two-and-a-half game, two-and-a-half games behind Jacksonville, um, yeah. right, yep. because of the tiebreaker. And so that, that – that's a significant win. It was not elegant in any way, but you feel like you see a little something with the defense now. And, and to Sam's earlier point, you have every reason to think the offense will get it fixed. Look, I mean, these the Lions and Jaguars had good offenses last year. It's not like the Chiefs are running over the teams that actually they're going to be seeing on their schedule over the next few weeks. The Bears and the Jets and Broncos. Yeah, I mean, the Broncos are actually moving the ball at a pretty good pace in the first couple. They of lead weeks. the NFL in points per possession. Okay, and I think, I think they're second in um, drive success rate. How many times right. you turn in? But speaking of drive success rate, this is indicative of where the Chiefs are. They led the NFL at 78% of their first downs. They turned into a new first down. And now they're at 60%. And they're, they're middle of the pack in the NFL, actually very slightly below it through the first two weeks. And unlike what I just mentioned about those offenses, they have not played good defenses. I don't think we're going to see the Jaguars and Lions as some of the top 15 defenses in the league by the end of the year. I agree. I agree. Okay, it's the Chicago Bears at Arrowhead on Sunday, 325-ish game or 330, whatever whatever it's called. Um, 12.5-point favorite, Chiefs. Uh, that's, that's a pretty big number in, in the NFL. It suggests that it won't be a game uh to be honest with you i don't think it will be i don't think it will be either you know before the season the chiefs did not have a double digit line um they're favored in every game all 17 but weren't didn't have a double digit line and you thought well somebody is going to fall and the chiefs are not going to fall and but i didn't think it'd be so quickly in week three that we'd already see a line pushed i mean it's three points different than it was to open the season like the bears have a bunch of injuries and the Bears, I think, before the season were this sexy pick. They're over under with seven and a half. They won three games last year. And I didn't see the reason for a four and a half game improvement because they have the same quarterback. And the Chiefs have played, it was last year, wasn't it, that they played a lot of those running quarterbacks. And I think they eventually figured some something out with it. Willie Gay, I think, has the speed to, to spy a quarterback like that. Boy, that's a good point. It's something we should think about uh, with, with Justin Fields, uh, the importance of the linebackers in this game. They, uh, look, Nick, Nick Bolton, as he often does, led the Chiefs in tackles against the, the, the Jaguars, uh, but this absolutely could be a, a Nick Bolton-Willie Gay type of game mm-hmm. against this against the Chicago Bears. So, okay, we quite literally have a plane to catch. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to continue our journey home to Kansas City and, uh, and, and and this podcast that uh, that we enjoyed bringing to you because of the insights of our columnist Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian. 
Guys, thanks a lot. Oh, and listen, uh, Jesse Newell, miss you, buddy. Uh, we'll get you on next week. See you guys. Thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to producer Randy Mason for putting together the show and to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Todd Feedback, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian for sharing their insights. The Star's Morning Sports Edition is the nation's best digital newspaper. You get complete coverage of the Chiefs, Royals, KU, Mizzou, K-State, Sporting, the KC Current, and more, plus tons of national and international sports news. I think it was 41 pages today. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in and around Kansas City.